God bless you, and so it's our privilege, privilege here today to get into the word of the Lord. Uh, being Father's Day, I want to put a little uh, slant on my, on my uh, Bible study toward, uh, especially directed to the men. And I just want to say here this to all of our men. God bless you. Uh, you are the one who stands in the gap between the, a sinful world that we live in and your family and your home and your wife and your kids and so forth. And uh, I respect you and admire you, and I know that you fight that battle. And I want to encourage you here today to be strong in what you do, to be a Christian in the day and the hour and the time that we're living in. If there's ever been a time that men of God need to really stand up and be men, it's the day and hour that we're living in. It is true. And uh, I want to get passed along some things to you. I'm going to uh, use a, t a scripture text here this morning that I've taken out of the Old Testament uh, concerning a prophet. And uh, I'll give you a little background on it if you'll turn with me. Uh, to the book of First Kings, <clears throat> let me get the right verse and chapter here. First Kings, chapter twenty-two, and I'm going to start reading just a few verses here in, in verse six. First uh, Kings, chapter twenty-two, and verse six, and uh, this was concerning Israel and and uh, Judah, which were two nations at that time. When Solomon died, his kingdom was divided into the, king, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, smaller kingdom, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was, was simply called Israel. It was most of the, of the tribes of Israel. But the southern kingdom was Judah and Benjamin. And uh, I think Simeon was also sort of grafted in also and so forth. But they became two nations. Judah in the southern, southern side had... Uh, some good kings and bad kings along the way. Israel, on the other hand, they had pretty well all wicked kings. This was an era of time in which uh, Ahab, who was married to Jezebel, who was a Zidonian and who was real big on worshiping idols. She was into uh, worshiping uh, Baal and the prophets and, and the groves and they had all these things up in the hills and in the trees and all kinds of weird stuff going on. The prophets of God were constantly warning them not to do this, that they were taking Israel in a bad direction. The southern kingdom, Judah, because they had Jerusalem in their domain and they had the temple, it seemed to have given them direction with the priesthood and so better than that northern king of Israel. What I'm going to read to you here, just a few verses here to you, is whenever the southern king, whenever he was first became king, was named Jehoshaphat in, in Judah, he went to visit uh, the king of Israel. They were, you know, they spoke the same language. They were sister nations at this point. They were friendly with each other. And so he went to visit the king of the other one. And Ahab was a Jew himself, but his wife was a, was a, a Gentile heathen woman. And she was so much against, she, in fact, she was the one that challenged Elijah and all kinds of things. But she was so much uh, against the worship of the Lord God Almighty. And uh, so Ahab sort of let her run the show, and he, it got Israel in further and further trouble. Now, this is an incident whenever uh, the king of Judah went up 
went up to visit him. And I want you to show you here what's going to happen here. It says here in verse 6, Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets uh, together because what had happened, he said, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, that's Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, you know, there's a city that the Syrians have. That's the nation that's just north of Israel, the Syrians. The Syrians have a city that belongs to us. I think it's time for us to go to war with them and take that city back. And uh, Jehoshaphat said, well, okay, you know, I'll, you know, we'll give you our support and we'll do it together. But I want to know what does, does the prophets say? And so this is what this Ahab said. He said, I will call the prophets together and we'll ask them what they want. And so here's what he did here. Then the king of Israel, this is verse six, now gathered the prophets together, about 400 men and said unto them, shall I go up against Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall I forbear? And they said, go up. For the Lord shall deliver it into, thy hand, into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, this is the one in the southern kingdom now, after they had given their report, is there not here a prophet of the Lord? I want to hear what God Almighty has to say through his prophet, not these prophets of the groves and the prophets of Baal. So is there not a prophet here of the Lord besides these that we might inquire of him? And the eighth verse says, And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man. One man. Now, I want you to take hold of that statement because this is what I want to talk to you about. Because to our men here, wherever you work, you may be the only man there that represents God. Or wherever you go, or wherever you travel, or whatever the circumstances are, you may be the only man there, the only one in your neighborhood, the only one in some club that you belong to or some whatever, you know, uh, group. You may be the only one that really knows God and knows the truth and has the truth in your heart. And I want to talk to you today of how important it is to just be willing to stand on the word of God and stand for the things of God, no matter what the circumstances are. Here was a man who said that, that they, they said that he said, there is yet one man. And Jehoshaphat, I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of it. It says, there is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. The word, the word Lord is all capital letters, meaning I am, the I am, or, or God Almighty, or Jehovah, or Yahweh, however you want to pronounce it. The, uh, he said, but I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. And then, in other words, bring him out. And so they brought him out. And whenever, sure enough, Micaiah came out and said, if you go to war, Ahab, you're not going to come out of the battle. You won't make it. You're going to die in that battle. You know, and you say, you see, I told you that he always says evil things about me and so forth. And all the other prophets, all 400 of them, ha, 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 listen to that. You know, Micaiah, you know, Micaiah's going to do this and that. And they made fun of him. They joked him and they, they spit on him, made all kind of motion, things like that about it. And so they sent him back to jail. He was in jail because he did not agree with the king. So they sent him back to prison. And before he left, he said, if you come back, then everything I've said is not true, but you're not coming back. 
I can tell you that. And he walked and he went away and they put him in jail. And sure enough, they went into battle. Ahab was killed in battle. He never came back. And of course, the ones who did come back says, let this prophet out of the jail. He was right. The others were all wrong. Now, I'm telling you all of that because Micaiah was the man who stood in the gap and he said, I'm going to tell you the truth. He was mocked at. He was despised. He was rejected. But thank God there was one man. There was somebody who stood up for God and stood in the face of all of these. And later, Elijah would come along and defy all of them and eventually slay those, those actually was 400 by that time, 450 of those false prophets and had them all slain. Now, I'm telling you that because... This uh, required men to stand up, or a man in this, in this particular situation, to stand up for the Lord. I'm going to read another verse of Scripture that we're all familiar with that's found over here in the book of Joshua. And this was when uh, Joshua was telling the children of Israel, you've all got your inheritance now. You're going to live in the land. Everybody should serve the Lord. And I'm going to start reading from the 14th verse. And he says, you know, I'm not going to be your leader much anymore. I'm, I'm old now. My time's about gone. And he says in the 14th verse, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him. This is uh, 24th chapter of Joshua, Joshua 24 and the 14th verse. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in the sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. That is on the other side of, uh, of, of the Euphrates River and so forth. Uh, in Egypt, uh, and in Egypt and serve the, ye the Lord, the capital letters, all capital letters, it means the name of God. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so I want to just talk to our men here today about making up your mind to, with all your heart to serve God and not ever be wishy-washy, but to have some things settled in your heart and soul of what truth is, what God's word says, and that I'm going to stand on it. And I'm reading a word, a verse here from James 1, 8. It says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So it's really saying, don't be double-minded, half the world, half way in God. You know, you, you serve God a little bit, but you've got other things in your life that's going on that maybe God wouldn't be pleased with. But, you know, you sort of play it. And he says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So I want to just encourage our men today, God bless you men, to be strong in the Lord. And know what you believe and know that it's based on the word of God and trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. Now, I'm going to give you a scripture that an old preacher gave me many years ago. Uh, he, was a, one of, he was a mentor to me. I loved him dearly. He said, Brother Myers, I have lived by this verse. And I have taken it since that time and I have lived by it as well. And I want to read it to you. And it's found in Luke 21, 33. And uh, it's also found in Matthew's identical words. I've chosen the word Luke just because I don't know why I did. It's just there. Uh, it was the first one I looked up. And it says 2133. 2133. It's also recorded in Matthew 2435, word for word. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Very simple verse. 
And look what it says. It's the words of Jesus. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And that old preacher told me, he said, Brother Myers, if God's word will stand when nothing else stands, when heaven and earth is destroyed and God's word is still standing, then God's word is what we have to build our lives on more than anything else in all the world. Because we are building our lives, not just for a good life in this life, but for eternity. And so he said, and I, I took that to heart. I said, God, and that's why I have been a words type guy. You know, I've been a pastor and preacher and all that over all these years. And, uh, but I have been somebody who believes the word, you know that. And I live by this word. I love the word. I, uh, this sounds silly, but sometimes I'll pick up my Bible and I'll kiss it. This old Bible, I've got to held together with duct tape because it's old and, and it's, it's falling apart a little bit, but it, it, it's, it, it's there. It's mine. I've got two or three of them just like this. It just, you know, it's not got duct tape, but it's got some kind of tape on it. And they're it's held together. I've gone through them, used them up, switched, you know, went to another and so forth. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you that love the word of God. And to this day, to this day, I love the word of God. And I want to pass along to all of our men, especially fall in love with the word of God and say, God, if your word says it, I'm going to believe it. Praise the Lord. And that's, of course, the next part of it is that we not only say the word of God will stand when nothing else is standing, but I'm going to believe the word of God. Now go for just a moment. And I know we've been talking or the, some of the, uh, our classes have been involved with the uh, study of Hebrews. I mean, not Hebrews, but with the study of faith. And in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is the chapter that deals nothing but with faith, I'm not going to get into detail, only to mention to you this, that where there is faith, there's always an action. There's an action. By faith, they did this. By faith, he did that. By faith, she did so-and-so. But you, you live for God, you serve God, you walk with God. You come to church because you believe that by going to the house of God, God will touch you, speak to you, guide you, lead you, and you'll hear the word of God that will give you direction, you know. So that's faith. You have faith in the word of God. And uh, the Bible says, neglect not the assembling of themselves together as a man of some is. Just, you know. So this, it's all the word of God. I'm just going to read a couple of these to you here. 11, 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things, seemed yet moved with fear, prepared an ark. So a very simple word. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. He didn't just say, okay, there's a flood coming. But he said, okay, I believe it, Lord. But he said, okay, I'm going to build an ark like God said to do Next verse in verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He obeyed and he, he went. And this is the 11th chapter is filled with what's called the hall of fame of faith. And Moses down in the 24th verse, by faith, Moses, when he was coming to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused it. No, nope, I'm not Pharaoh's daughter. I'm an Israelite. I'm an Israelite. I know what I am. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm an Israelite. And he went over to say here, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, by faith, esteeming the reproach of Christ. You say Christ didn't live back then. No, but the promise of the Christ that would come was given in the word of God back then. 
So the Jews believed that they had a Messiah coming. And those that in, in that land, in that area, they may say, ha, 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 you, you believe there's a Messiah that's going to save you, right, right? And Moses, he esteemed, he, he esteemed the reproach of believing in Jesus. Let me just say one word here. Jesus is coming back for his church. Did you know there's some people that say, ha, 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 where is he? I don't see him. And that's what they were saying back then. You know, where the, your Messiah, he's going to come and save you. You know, we say Jesus is coming back for his church because he said that when he went away. He said, I go away. And if I go away, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. And uh, so did Jesus said it. I believe it. Praise the Lord. And I uphold that. And I believe it with all my heart because it's in the word of the Lord. And that's what our faith is. So our faith is saying, God, I believe what you said. I believe it. Now, our actions show whether we really believe or not. God doesn't need to see our actions to know what's in our heart. But our actions reveal what's in our heart to ourselves. And anybody else that wants to see it as far as that goes. I'll tell you something else. The devil doesn't know what's in your heart. He'll try to throw things your way. If you don't respond to evil things, he gives up. He, he leaves you for a seat. He don't mess with you because you don't respond to it. If he tempts you, don't respond to it. It's like a telephone call. Ring, ring, ring. Did you get a call from the devil? Ring, 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 ring. I don't know. You know, because I didn't pick it up. You know, I didn't say hello. You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I hope I'm not going over your head here with all this, but this is just dealing with temptations. But I am trying to say here that what we do here is that you throw off these things, and therefore the temptation doesn't come into your heart. And so the only way the devil knows is that if you start responding, if you start responding to the temptation, and you start acting, and they, oh, he does everything. And then he adds to it, and he adds to it, and he gets heaps up and all that kind of stuff. Okay, that's all for free. I'm just throwing it out there. Amen. <laughs> but I am telling you here this morning that Satan does not know what's in your heart, but your actions prove what is in your heart. So if you say, yes, I believe God. I believe the word of the Lord. I'm going to go to church. I believe in worship. Yes, I do. And you lift your hands and you worship God. You say, I believe in worship. Yeah, I believe in worship. Here. And you fold your hand, you go to the house of God, everybody worshiping, and you're sitting there like a bump on a log. That's not worship. You, you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I don't feel like worshiping today. Well, everybody, there's, a lot of us don't feel like, I mean, there's times I have felt like I need to crawl under a rug someplace and just hide, you know. You know. You see, Brother Martin, you've been there. Yeah, I've been there, and most of us have been there one time or another. You know, you just feel... You know, I just don't feel, I don't even feel like going to church. I don't even feel like being in church. I feel like going back in the church, sitting in the back, just doing like this. And there's probably maybe some of you here today just sitting in the church and feeling that way. But I challenge you to do something. Lift your hands and say, Jesus, I love you. I'm telling you, folks, it'll do something. It'll, it'll move something in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you. And you start praising the Lord and worshiping God. And none of us are really worthy of anything, but he is worthy of our praise for sure. For sure. That's an understatement that he's worthy. So just worship God and God will glorify you. But believe the word with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you some things here. About, I'm speaking about three things here. 
and I'll give you some scripture for it. And I want our brethren here, especially this today, I want you to say, let's nail this down and believe it with all of our heart. Let's just settle it in our hearts. I want to talk to you about doctrine. What must a man do to be saved? I'm going to give you some verses of scripture here. It's in the Bible. Read it, study it if you need to, look at it good, but just settle in your heart. What must I do to be saved? What must a man do, a woman do? What must we do to be saved? Praise the Lord. And I want you to, first of all, I'm going to start with a very simple verse of scripture that we're all very familiar with. And uh, that's uh, one found in uh, Acts chapter 238. If you'll turn to that verse of scripture with us for a moment. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Most of you, if not all of you, know it by heart. And uh, it simply says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And they had just asked him, Men and brethren, what shall we do? He had preached to them Jesus Christ and said, This is the one you crucified and you rose the third day. And everything. This is how all of this power of God, this Holy Ghost falling that you've seen, this 120 people that's been, that's received the Holy Ghost. What's all this all about? Speaking in other tongues they were. What's all this about? And he said, this is all from Christ and so forth. And then Peter says in verse 38, when they said, what shall we do then? He said, then Peter, verse 38, said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Remission is not just the forgiveness because forgiveness can mean that you may have to make it up later. You're forgiven for now. But remission is, means it's wiped away. You owed a, if you own an a, a, a electric bill and you went down to the electric company and said, I can't pay this this month. And they said, okay, you're forgiven for not paying it this month. But remember, next month you've got to pay two months. You understand what I'm saying? You're forgiven. But if you went down there and you said, I can't pay it this month, and they said, it's remitted, that means you don't owe it, and you don't have to pay it. It's paid for. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So he says here, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. The Holy Ghost is a gift, and it will be given to you. And you've got to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission. Baptism is the remission of sins. Our sins are washed away not by the water, but by the blood of Jesus Christ that's applied to us in baptism, water baptism. And by water baptism, baptism, baptism comes from baptismo. It means immersion. It's not sprinkling or a little pouring or something like that. It's, it's, it's immersion. That sprinkling and stuff all came about when they started baptizing babies. Babies are innocent anyhow. Babies die, they go to heaven. It's a once settled because they have not reached the age of accountability. When they reach the age of accountability, they're old enough to understand right from wrong, and they're old enough then to be baptized in water. I won't go any further into that, only to say that this scripture here is telling us to be repent of our sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. And it's in the Bible. And he says, it's in the Bible, I believe it. Okay, Brother Myers, uh, I need another one. Okay, let me give you another one. Uh, look at uh, Acts chapter 8. I'm going to give you four verses, four verses here about doctrine. Four verses. I want you to go to Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. This is old hat to some of you, but stay with me because I've got a, uh, something to show you here in a minute. Then Peter went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. 
And then verse 12 says, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were baptized both men and women in the name of Jesus, of course. Now, verse 14, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God, they said unto them, Peter and John, who, verse 15, when they were come down, that is, come, anything from Jerusalem is always down. Now, even though Samaria is north of Jerusalem, we think of everything north is up and everything south is down like a map. But they don't think of it like that. Everything away from Jerusalem is down. Everything toward Jerusalem is up. And it says, uh, <clears throat> For, uh, says verse 15 here who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost for as yet he the Holy Ghost was fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus so baptism in Jesus name is very clear here verse 17 then laid their, their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost another verse of scripture I want to give you is one found in, uh, in, in Acts uh, chapter 19. If you look at this one, this is, uh, this is where, oh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 10. That was right there at it. Chapter 10 where uh, the angel told Cornelius to send to Joppa and there'd be a man, Peter, he'll come and tell you what you need to do to be saved. I mentioned this to you last week. God uses men and women, of course, to help people to be, to be saved. He uses us to help others, and he used others to help us. And so Peter came down. He started preaching to Cornelius and his household. There's a whole bunch of them. He got all of his cousins and all of his uncles and aunts and together, all together. He said, this man's going to tell us what we need to do to get saved. And so they were all Gentiles. They were Italian, incidentally, if there's any Italians here. And Cornelius was a, was a centurion. He was a, was a Roman officer, but he was hungry for God. And God's word is open for whosoever will. You know that. And he was the first Gentile to be saved. And while Peter yet spake, verse 44, this is 1044 of, of Acts. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word and they of the circumcision. That is the Jews who had come with Peter which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter these had come with him because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost man they said we, we've never seen this before we didn't know this was going to happen we thought the Holy Spirit was for the, the Jews only so they were all amazed at it and this is how they knew they had the Holy Ghost you don't know how they knew it look at verse 46 for they heard them speak with tongues that's how they knew the Holy, they had the Holy Ghost. There are signs of the Holy Ghost in Christian living, how we live, how we act, what we do, where we go, you know, all those kind of things, how we talk, all those kind of things. But the initial physical evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. Praise the Lord. And when a person speaks in other tongues, you say, man, they've got the Holy Ghost, just like I have it, you have it, and so forth. And so this is what happened with them, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. <clears throat> then answered Peter, but it's not over with yet. Not over with. They got the Holy Ghost spoken in other tongues. Okay. Here's what it says. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, which is Jesus. So well, you understand what I'm saying here? This is the plan of salvation. This is called the apostles' doctrine. I'm going to give you one more verse of scripture here on that. And then I'm going to move on here. But uh, look at 19, verse 1. 
It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Notice here that it was expected of all Christians to receive the Holy Ghost. How many understand that? Okay, it was like it goes with it. Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they said unto him, We have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know anything about the Holy Ghost. And then so Paul backs off, backs up a little bit and says in verse 3, And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, John's baptism. Well, he went back to John the Baptist, who was baptizing people at, before Jesus' ministry started. And these were people who had gotten baptized under John. And they said, John's baptism. Verse 4, then said Paul, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. This is the one that you want to look for, and he's the one that you want to believe in. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus because baptism is an act of believing. You understand what we're saying? And so they, they were baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, verse 6 says, When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, I'm just giving you four. There are many other scriptures. I've just threw out a few here that teach us and tell us here about the doctrine. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to say this to all of our men. Brethren, have it in your heart settled what the doctrine is so you can tell men what they got to do to be saved. And there's all kinds of winds of false doctrines. Don't believe it. Don't go for it. But settle it in your heart. And can I just say it this way? Nail it down. Brother uh, Matt Mason, bring that board over here. Let's nail it down. You re are you with me on that? All right. He's got a little hammer here. and Thank you. And so let's just nail it down. Wow. <laughs> only kidding, only kidding. <laughs> I had to do that. But we're just, we nail down some things. You men, nail it down. I know what to do to be saved. And it's not no wishy-washy stuff here or there, no soap, soft soap stuff. It's in the Word. It's the Apostles' Doctrine, and I believe it with all my heart. Let me move into another subject here. I've got about 15 minutes here to touch on these. Uh, let's talk about holiness and morality. Let's talk about holiness. Because living for God and being a holy people is very important with God. There are so many verses in the Bible in a concordance that fills up about three big pages in the Bible about the Lord talking about holy. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. The Lord wants us to be a holy people. And the Holy Ghost will help us to be a holy people. But you can just say, oh, I'm going to live any kind of old way and do anything I want to do and do what I want to do. And it doesn't matter, you know, so forth. No, no, no. It does matter with God. And I'm going to give you some verses of Scripture, and there's so many more, but I'm just going to give you a couple of them here. And I want you to look with you, if you would, in uh, Hebrews 12, 14. Look in Hebrews 12. You were there in Hebrews a while ago. And uh, look in Hebrews 12, 14. 
Follow peace with all men and holiness. Notice that? Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And uh, you will not see the Lord without holiness. Amen. It says it right there. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And in case you're wondering, does it also require us to follow peace with all men? And if we don't, we will not see the Lord. Does that mean no, no? It's speaking only of holiness. It's not speaking about you got to have peace with all men and holiness to see the Lord. Uh, go on, on the screen here, do Romans uh, 12, 18. I'll show you another verse about, about the following peace. Look at 12, 18 of Romans just for a moment. Thank you. It said, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And this is what Paul <clears throat> says to the Romans, meaning that... As much as you can, live at peace with other men or other people. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, as much as you can, live peaceably with all men. Which means you can't live peaceably with all men. It's just some, it's some people, you're just like, it's not going to work. It's just not going to happen. And so we know that you try, but you don't, you may not be able to. So when I go to Hebrews and it's 12, 14, it says, follow peace with all men. He's repeating the same thing as he did in Romans. But then he had, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So holiness require, is required to be able to see the Lord. Do you understand the connection of the verses and why I've connected them? So that we understand here that this is speaking here in Hebrews only of holiness without hold, and without holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. If you don't live a holy life, you're not going to see the Lord. You may have been baptized in Jesus' name somewhere back there. You may have repented of your sins back there someplace and may have made a start for God, but you've got to live a holy and righteous life is required of God. Praise the Lord. It's, the Lord wants us to. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. Praise God. And uh, look at verse 7, 4 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And he's telling us un, not uncleanness so that we do not follow uncleanness. That is wickedness, adultery, fornication, all that mess, you know. Uh, you stay away from it. For God did not call us uncleanness, but unto holiness. God wants us to be a holy people, and he wants us. So, brethren, nail it down. We've got to be a holy people. We want to serve God in holiness, praise the Lord. And because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Let's use one in the Old Testament. Let's go to Psalms here for a moment. And uh, this is Psalms 29, and, and I could give you a lot of other verses in Psalms, but this is one I could give you, one 96, 9, says just about the same thing. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Everybody see that? Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And uh, 96, 9 in Psalms. Give us 96, 9 in Psalms. 96, 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. I'm just showing you here how that when we worship God, the Lord wants us to lift up holy hands. He wants us to have a holy life. He doesn't want us to be living in sin and doing all kind of mess. 
you know, everything that people can get in. Brethren, I'm telling you here, God wants a holy people. And you stand in the gap between you and your family and you and the world and you uh, and, 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 and people you work with. And you, you're between God and them. And they have to see that you are a righteous and holy person. You don't have to laugh at a dirty joke. You don't have to do that. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to pretend that you're one of the guys, you know, and all that kind of stuff when they're doing things, you know, this, or saying things or whatever it is going along the way. Let them know that you make a sound. You don't have to wear your salvation on your sleeve. It'll come out because if you're a God-fearing and you're a holy person, it'll, and God will appreciate that. God will appreciate it. And he'll honor you for it. Praise the Lord. He'll honor you in this life and he'll honor you in the life to come. Praise God. But God wants us to be a holy people, and he wants us to hold fast to him. I want to give you one other verse of Scripture, your own holiness. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and this speaks about ourselves and about who we are and what we are. And uh, this is 3 and 16, 1 Corinthians three sixteen, And this is a very sobering verse of Scripture here. The Lord's requirement of us to be holy. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? This is Paul talking about. The temple now has been destroyed. When he wrote this, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. And I'm sorry. No, in 1 Corinthians, it was not yet destroyed. I'm, I'm speaking out of turn here. But it was on its way. It would soon be destroyed. But it didn't matter because the Holy Ghost was in the church. And they had become the temple of God. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Everybody see that? And it's a very sobering verse of Scripture. In other words, those who destroyed the temple in the Old Testament, God destroyed them because the temple was holy. Men may not have been holy, but the temple was holy because God had sanctioned it to be holy. Praise the Lord, his, his presence dwelt there. And he goes on to say and uses that Old Testament type here about our bodies being a temple. The Spirit of God dwells in us, therefore we're the temple of God. And verse 17, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Amen. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Years ago, I used to hear that saying, God will not dwell in an unclean temple. God will not dwell. One day I was going to give a Bible study. And I was going to use that verse. And I went looking for it. God will not dwell in unclean. And there is no verse that says God will not dwell in an unclean temple. I went looking for it. I looked for it and looked and looked. I said, I know it's in there. I've heard it all my life. And it wasn't in there. And here's what I did find. God will destroy for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. And he said, if any man defile the temple of God, he will God. And that's sobering. I said, oh my God, this is strong language here. Don't mess around with God. Don't play around. Boy, I'm telling you the truth. I'm speaking in my heart here. All you men, listen, don't play around here. Don't mess around with drinking. Don't mess around with drugs. Don't mess around with pornographic stuff. Don't mess around with all of this mess. Lay it down. Be holy before God. You don't think God doesn't see all of that? He sees it all and he knows it all. Don't mess around with cigarettes. Don't play around with this kind of stuff. Don't play around with the flirting thing. I'm talking to men here. You ladies just relax now. Just... <laughs> Amen. 
But brethren, this is Father's Day. Let's be men that stand in the gap. There is yet one man, hallelujah, that for that one man, the word of God went forth. And it was declared because somebody stood in the gap. And I just say here today, let all of us men, let's be men for God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And you be the leader in your, in your family spiritually. Don't let the wife be the spiritual leader. You be the spiritual leader. Praise the Lord. Say, we're going to go to church. Kids, get ready. Get, you know, get going. And it's a chore sometimes to have to get it all together. My, uh, my grandmother uh, once told the story. They had, yeah, they, they had about seven kids. And uh, she was told the story about how she'd get them all ready. And Junior, he was the oldest one, you know, and it had, a, I think, three girls and four boys. Three girls and then four boys behind him. And uh, that's seven? I think it is. <laughs> so anyhow, she had these grandchildren, and Junior was the oldest boy. She got him all dressed in a suit and everything. And so while she's getting all the other younger ones all ready to go, and it's just about time to get ready to leave her, he goes out, and when, my, when the grandfather start, my grandfather starts up the car, he's looking up the tailpipe like this to see what, what's up there. And it blows black soot and smoke out all over him, and he walks in the house, and he is fit to be tied. I mean, he, I mean he's dirty. You know? And my grandmother sat down, and she cried. And she said, I just can't make it to church today. And she told that story over and over. So that was a one time that I wasn't able to go to church. Praise the Lord. Well, there may be times like that in our lives, you know, but as a whole, let's say I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm going to be found in the house of the Lord. I'm going to put forth that effort and God will honor us and bless us. Praise the Lord. So let's nail down holiness. Everybody with me? I'm only kidding. All right. Now, one other thing here I want to talk to you about, and this I've only got three or four minutes, and this is giving. Um, be a giver, folks. I'm going to give you two verses of Scripture here. Don't play around with God with your tithes. I'm serious. This is God's, how do you call it? This is his prosperity package to the church. I'm serious. If you can ever, and this is the word of God, and if you're going to believe the word, believe this. I'm going to read this verse of scripture here. Don't ever play around with God with tithes. That, that belongs to God to start with. That's, that's his. I'm going to read these verses of scriptures in Malachi 3 and 8. And this is only one place in the Bible. There's a, a handful, you know, of verses, maybe two handfuls, talks about tithes. Tithes is 10% of what we earn, we give it to God. Okay? And don't give him the last fruits. Give him the first fruits. Everybody stay with me on that. It teaches that too. I won't go into detail on it. It says, will a man rob God? This is 3.8 of Malachi. <clears throat> when you touch people's pocketbook, they get real sensitive too. I'm just trying to say here, let God be on your side. And let the word of God be on your side. And I'm, I promise you, I promise you, God will not fail you. Because God doesn't fail anybody. And you build it on the word of God, and it'll stand when the worlds are on fire. Look at verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and in offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. This is Israel. This is the last book in the, book in the Old Testament. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Look what God has promised. That there may be meat in mine house, and prove me, prove me. 
Now herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And then he goes on to say, I'll, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll, I'll give you, you know, fruit on the trees and crops in the land and on and on and on. But he's saying, I will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. And I'm just trying to say here, don't play around with God on this thing about tithes. Be faithful to God in tithes. And I promise you, God will bless you because he's promised it in his word. This goes back to the thing where that we believe the word of God. We stand on it. Amen. If God said it, I believe it with all of my heart. And if you'll do that, God will never fail you. And one other verse of scripture that I, I'll read as well is one found in Luke. This is one of my favorites. And... Uh, this is one that you've got to do on faith. If you'll do it on faith, it'll work, it'll work, it'll work. Here's what it says. It, it is uh, Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. This church is a giving church. You know that. When your pastor became pastor some nearly 20 years ago, he and I talked about it. We were, we were doing a conference up in Alaska together. And he said, Dad... He said, let's go back home and, and make our church to be a giving church like we've never given before. And I said, let's do it. Let's go to, let's start doing it with missions and let's just not stop. I said, let's do it. I said, I'm, I'm with you 100%. We came back and doubled our missionary offering and it started growing. When we went through a recession back in the 06 and 07 and all through that period of time, there were, there were churches that were cutting back and there were this. And, and your pastor said to me, let's just keep giving dead and let's give more than we have before. And we, the Lord kept blessing this church. It's still blessing this church. Hands for healing. We started giving out food when we were having to buy it ourselves. And people would bring food here, give it out. Now they bring in it by the semi-truck loads of food for us to give out. I'm serious. We, what, we, am, I, am I exaggerating when I say 2,700 people a week almost that we feed? You know, I don't know where any Sister Anna Weaver, she sort of spearheads that all that. But I'm just trying to say the church here as, as a body has proven that's to be true. And if you will do it personally yourself, God will honor you and he'll bless you. And I can give you a, a lot of more scriptures. But this little verse, you know how Acts 2.38 is? This one is, is Acts uh, 38, the verse is 38, but it's 6.38. It's Luke 6.38. So the 38th verse is there. Praise the Lord. Let me read it to you. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye met out, it shall be measured to you again. And I'm going to close with this statement. Don't wait for God to give it to you to give. You give first and then God will give it back to you. A lot of people are waiting. If you give me a billion dollars, I'm going to give half of it to God. No, 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 no. Let's nail it down. Everybody with me? I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to believe the word of God. Hallelujah. I stand on the word. Let's stand together and give God the praise. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and worship him. Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to bless each and every one of us today. Bless this service, Lord, that's coming up. Bless every soul here, God, and let your mighty presence and power be here in Jesus' name. Amen.